Today it's going to be the it's, it's the wrap up of our entire series that we've been preaching on uh, becoming a D6 church and building D6 families. Uh, now, whenever we talk about being D6 families, of course, we're talking about Deuteronomy chapter number six, which our job and our role as parents, Christian parents, to train up our children, to teach them the word of God. So today I want to talk to you about the importance of becoming a D6 church and the importance of becoming a D6 family. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share with you some consequences of failing to become just that. So um, before we go any farther, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask His blessings on, on the reading of His Word today. Father, we thank You for this moment. We thank You for this day uh, to enter into worship. And we thank You for communion and how it's a time of reflection. We thank You so much for our salvation and all that You've done for us. And God, I pray now that you would speak to our hearts. I ask you, Lord, that you would just help us to see the important role that we have as Christians to, to lead and teach our children and our families in your ways. Help us to glean from your words some, some cautions. Help us to see what would take place as a result of a spirit of apathy. I pray, dear God, that you would speak to all of our hearts today. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's a passage of Scripture, just hold it right there, I'm going to have you come in just a moment. There's a passage of Scripture in Judges chapter number 2 that, um, that really has been laying heavy on my heart for the past several weeks. I think we have it on the screen in Judges chapter 2. I'd like for us to stand as we just honor God in the reading of His Word and I would like for us to read together the scripture out of Judges chapter 2 in verses 7 down through verse number 13. Let's read together. The Bible says, The people worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. They had seen all the Lord's great works he had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. After them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They worshipped the Baals and abandoned the Lord and God of their fathers who had brought them out of Egypt. They went out other gods. From the surrounding peoples and bowed down to them. They infuriated the Lord, for they abandoned him and worshiped them. You can be seated. Verse number 10 is a verse that has been laying very, very heavy on my heart. This message is going to be a sobering message. This message is going to be with the sake of sounding like an alarmist. You may leave here and say he was just like an alarmist today. But I've got to share with you what I feel the Lord has laid on my heart as we assemble together as members of Victory Church. I want you to understand that we do have a responsibility. And there are consequences for us not carrying out our job as Christian adults and Christian parents. Pay close attention, if you will, to verse number 10 of Judges chapter number 2. The Bible says after them, after whom? After Joshua had died and after Joshua's generation had died. It says after them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works that he had done 
for Israel. Guys, do you see what that is saying? Now, this is not saying that this could happen. This is saying that that did happen. As a matter of fact, as you go all through the book of Judges, you'll find that many times they're, they're on fire for the Lord when God would raise up a judge and, and rebuke the people for their sins and their ways, and they would repent and they'd come back. But when that judge would die, the people would then go on and do what was right in their own eyes and their own sight, and then there would be another generation that would not know the Lord. Guys, do you realize, and I'm not going to unpack the whole doctrine of God's sovereignty. I'm not going to unpack the whole doctrine of God's omniscience. I know that He's all-knowing. I know that He's sovereign. I know that He's in control. Despite the fact that we're in a presidential time when we're electing a new president, God is in control. I don't care who gets in the office. God is still in control. Amen? So what I'm going to say, I don't want you to come back and tell me about God's sovereignty and about Him being omniscient. I already understand that, and I already know that. But I want to bring something to your attention. Do you realize, without God's mercy and without God's grace, we are one generation? We're one generation away from Christianity becoming extinct. And how does the doctrine of Jesus Christ, how is that passed on from one generation to another and to another? It's passed on when we as Christian parents do what God has commanded us to do in teaching and training and equipping our children with the Word of God. I don't know about you, but Joshua chapter, Judges chapter 2 and verse number 10, that verse terrifies me. I realize God's in control. But nonetheless, as your pastor, I want you to know that verse terrifies me. The fact that there was a whole generation that did not know the Lord, nor did they know His works. As a matter of fact, the book of Judges is a, is a book that's filled with rebellion. It's a book that's filled with punishment. It's a book that's filled with misery. It's a book that's also filled, thank God, with deliverance. The book of Judges, I want you to understand, begins with compromise and it ends with confusion. God help us that we do not fall into the pattern that God's people fell into in the book of Judges. I put a comparison in your notes for you between the book of Joshua and the book of Judges. In the book of Joshua, and we're talking about how Joshua loved God and served the Lord and his generation. But that generation passed, and then we have the generation we're talking about in the book of Judges. But in the book of Joshua, when God's people were following after him, in Joshua, it's about joy. In the book of Judges, where they turned from God and did not know God, the book is filled with sobs. In Joshua, there's a heavenly vision. In Judges, there's earthly. It's earthly in its emphasis. In Joshua, there's great victory. In Judges... There is defeat. In Joshua, there's progress. In Judges, there is decline. In Joshua, there's faith. In Judges, there's unbelief. In Joshua, there's freedom. In Judges, there's bondage. Guys, do you realize that the central theme or the lesson that runs throughout the entire book of Judges is this. That failure has come through compromise. Here was a group of people that just compromised what God had instructed them to do. Thus, the result was a generation who did not know the Lord. Well, how did they forsake God? How did they get to the place where an entire generation did not know the Lord? I want you to jot down these three things. This is not my sermon, just by way of introduction. But I want you to get a hold of this. 
The way they got to a place where there was an entire generation who did not know the Lord is that, first of all, they forsook what the Lord had said. God had told them in Judges chapter 2 and verse 11 through and following, He told them that they were not, in the previous passage, He told them they were not to, to, to worship other gods. He told them they were not to mingle with the Canaanites and the other Jebusites and the other tribes of people that were there. But we see in these verses that, of course, they did just that. They also forfeited what the Lord had promised them. What did He promise them? He promised them the entire territory, which they never did inherit. He promised them a place of peace and prosperity, which we read in the book of Judges that they never did get to enjoy because they turned away from God's teachings. And then thirdly, they failed to learn what the Lord did. In the book of Judges, you'll find where... History is repeating itself over and over and over. They just failed to learn what God had done in a spirit of obedience versus a spirit of disobedience. Therefore, they were they wound up with a generation that did not know the Lord. Once again, with the risk of sounding like an alarmist, I believe that we are on the verge of raising a generation of young people who do not know the Lord, nor do they know the works that he has done in our lives and in our generation. Listen to a survey that I found for you and I put in your notes. George Barna conducted a survey of self-pronounced Christians. And I want you to take note of what he found out among the Christian people. He found out that 48%, once again remember, these are professing Christians. 48% could not name the four Gospels. Can you? I hope you can. 52% cannot identify more than two or three of Jesus' disciples. 60% of American Christians can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. When asking graduating high school seniors about or or born-again Christians, over 50% of them thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. I hope you didn't think that. 61% of American Christians think that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. It's, it's so, it seems so ridiculous, it's almost humorous. But unfortunately, it's true. And it should sadden our hearts. 71% of American Christians think God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. No wonder George Bonner, after this survey and the results that he found, no wonder he made this quote. Americans revere the Bible, but by and large, they do not know what it says. And because they don't know it, They become a nation of biblical illiterates. You know what God has commanded us to do as parents? He's commanded us to be D6 parents. He's commanded us to be a D6 family. He's commanded us to build, I believe, D6 churches. Look what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. God is saying, I want you to build Deuteronomy 6 families. He's saying, parents, it's your job. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the youth pastor's job. It's your job as parents to teach your children The ways of the Lord. 
That's your job. Now, we're here to assist and we want to help. And I just want you to know that as your pastor, I am committed to throwing the resources into whatever we have to do to assist you and help you become a D6 family. And that all begins with our Sunday school hour when we come together and we study the Word of God. Now, that's going to start for us next Sunday. All across the board, every single Sunday school class, including the brand new class that we're starting next Sunday in Sierra, Henderson is going to be leading our college and career class. And we're real excited about that because we got some graduating high school students that had no place to go and she stepped in. Being that she recently graduated from Greenville College, she's going to step in and lead that group of young people. And then we're going to come into the adults and we're all going to be studying the very same passage of Scripture every single Sunday morning. We're going to take it a step further. We're on the platform here on Sunday morning. We're also going to preach along the same lines that we've been studying together. What are we trying to do? We're trying to raise up a generation of young people that will know the Lord. We're trying to keep what Judges chapter 2 verse 10 has to say about that generation of people. We're trying to keep that from happening here at Victory Church. So what's your job in all of this? Your job, first of all, is to teach your children at home. Your job, first of all, is to instill God's Word into them at home. And we can help you do that by you bringing your entire family every single Sunday morning to Sunday school here at 9.30 every single Sunday morning. And we're going to be able to put the tools in the hands of your family members that will help you to be able to build a D6 family. Now, ask Brother Dave to go out and get our kids out of children's church. Guys, if you will, come on in. And I want you just to line up right here in the front. Just come on in. Thank God for our young people. Thank God for our kids. Just right here in the front. Church, may I ask you a question? What is and what are the consequences of failing to become a D6 family? What are the consequences of failing to become a D6 church? Let me tell you what it is. It's all these kids right here. You know what the consequences are? There's a chance they may grow up and never know God. There's a chance they may grow up and never know the books of the Bible. There's a chance they could grow up and unfortunately miss heaven. So I ask you, is it worth it? Is it worth the extra hour on Sunday morning to come to church for Sunday school? Is it worth the moments and the time that we'll spend at home to be able to teach God's word to our kids? I'm asking you, is it worth it? Yeah, it is worth it. If you think it's worth it, I want you to give the Lord a praise offering right now. Just clap your hands. It's worth it. Does it really matter? Does it really matter if these kids are in Sunday school on Sunday morning? I'm telling you, it does.
Now, I don't want you guys to go back to children's church. Matter of fact, I want you, the best way we can, I want you to sit right here in this middle section right here. Just kind of go in there and sit, and they may need some help, and just kind of all get together right in there. I want you here for the remainder of this message. Because I want to keep you here as a visual, and you may have to go on back in behind Carla and them and sit right in there, and folks help them kind of fill in there. These kids are worth what we're trying to do. We're trying to build D6 families, Deuteronomy 6 families. We're trying to build a D6 church. I think these kids are worth it. So I ask you again, does it really matter if these kids come to church, come to Sunday school on Sunday morning at Victory Church? Well, initially I say, yes, it does matter. But let me tell you why it does matter. And I want to share with you five things that we find in God's Word when we look into God's Word to try to get the answer to that question. Number one, I want you to see what God's desire is. What does God desire for us to do as Christian people, as Christian parents, as Christian church workers and laborers and leaders and pastors? What is God's goal for us? What does He desire for us to do? I've already read the scripture to you in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9, is where we get the little terminology, the little phrase, D6 families, D6 church. And it says that we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, and all of our soul, and all of our strength. And these words, first of all, are to be in our heart. Mom and Dad, let me tell you where it's going to begin as a D, in your building a D6 family. It's got to begin in your heart. That love that you have for the Lord, that love that you have for God, it's got to first of all be in your heart. And then you are to repeat, it says in verse 7, what is in your heart to your children. And you're to talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. You're to bind them as a sign on your hand and lay, let them be a symbol on your forehead. And you're to write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know what God's desire is? God's desire is for us to pass our faith. On down to the next generation. God's desire is for us to tell our kids about the Lord. God's desire is for you to share your story about what God has done in your life. He wants you to share that with your children. That's all He wanted with the children of Israel. He said, just tell the next generation. Just tell your children what I have done in your life. Guys, that's God's desire. For every single one of us, I can tell you what God's desire is in your home and in your family. It's that you teach your children the ways of the Lord. That you talk about God in your home. That you share biblical principles in your home. That you share with your children how your prayers have been answered. And they see you pray. They see you study God's Word. They see you in the heat of the battle call out to God. And then you share with them how God has heard your prayer. And you share with them what God has done in your life as a family. That's God's desire. That we share that with our kids. And guys, if we don't share that, who is? If we don't share that to our kids about God, who is? I don't know that our public school system is going to be sharing much about the goodness of God. I don't know if our secular colleges are going to be sharing much about the goodness of God. That must come from us. As Christian parents, we must teach our children that's God's desire. What is God's warning? Secondly, what is His warning? His warning is, if you fail to do this, what happened in Judges chapter 2 and verse number 10 could very well happen to your children. 
His warning is, if you don't do this, if you forget, Deuteronomy 8, 19 and 20, if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after in other gods to worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will perish. Like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you, you will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. What are the consequences? What is God's warning? God's warning is that you'll perish. God's warning is, if you forget me, he says, your children will not know me. That's his warning. What was Israel's failure? Well, as the text has already pointed out, the next generation, they never learned what God had done for Israel. They never learned because God's people forsook him. They started worshiping other gods. And it says in Judges chapter 2 and verse number 19 that when the judge died, the Israelites would act even more corruptly than their fathers, going after other gods to worship and bow down to them. And they did not turn from their evil practices or their obstinate ways. The point is this. God would go back in Judges, in the book of Judges, and he would raise up a judge that would preach to the people and declare unto the people the error of their ways. They would take heed and they would listen and they would repent. They would turn back to God. But then that judge would die. And then the next generation would rise up and not follow in the steps of their fathers and walk a distance from the Lord. What does that tell us? The fourth thing I want you to jot down is this. That we are no better than the Israelites. That we are no better than the Israelites. Listen, guys. As short as a generation ago, we in America used to be known for our biblical knowledge. As short as a generation ago, we used to be able to quote Scripture. We knew the stories of the Bible. We could find Scripture quickly whenever it was mentioned. Sunday school was the norm. And we went every Sunday to school to learn the Bible. As short as a generation ago. But you know what we've done in this generation today? We've crowded God out. There's no room for God on Sundays anymore. I remember when I was a boy, and I know my kids are sick and tired of hearing about when I was a boy. But I remember when I was a boy, if you needed milk, you better go out on Saturday evening and get the milk. Because on Sunday, all the stores were closed. You could not get milk on Sunday. You could not get gas on Sunday. Matter of fact, in our area, and I don't know if it was just regional down in the south and in western North Carolina. I don't know if that's just what it was where I was, but that's all I knew. But in our area, in our town, there was nothing taking place with the school system on Sunday. There were no civic activities taking place on Sunday. There were no ball games on Sunday. No one ever mowed their grass on Sunday. The farmers never harvested their fields on Sunday. Nothing ever took place on Sunday except going to church. That's all. All I ever remember as a boy. That's one generation ago. I dare say it's not like that today, is it? The church has to compete with the school systems, with the civic organizations, with everything that's taking place in our culture. We have to compete just to find an hour or so that we can block into our busy, busy Sunday to study God's word. Somebody needs to say amen or oh me. Hello? Listen, we're all guilty of crying.
crowding out the Lord's Day with secular stuff that doesn't mean a thing. And if we're not real careful, we'll find ourselves just like the Israelites were. You see, I believe that today's generation, I believe we're, especially our younger generation, our teens and our young adults, I believe we have a generation today that's biblically illiterate. George Barna's survey and poll proves that I believe we have a generation today that just does not know the Bible. They can't find the books of the Bible. If you say turn to the book of Habakkuk, the first place they turn is the table of context. Hello? If you say turn to Zephaniah, I don't want to know where Zephaniah is. What about Hebrews? What about Jude? Unfortunately, a lot of us don't even know where those books are. And we would have to thumb, fumble around and thumb our way through and fan this way and fan back that way and try to... Why is that? I believe it's because God's Word has not taken an important priority, an important role in our household, in our lives, and in our families. Now, whose fault is it that there's a generation of young people that seem to be biblically illiterate and turning from God? Whose fault would that be? Do we blame the teenagers? A lot of times that's the easiest thing to do, isn't it? You see, that keeps the fingers from pointing at us. And a lot of times as parents, it's a lot easier to say, you know, that's just this teenage generation today. Well, you want me to tell you something? Sin goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. So I don't believe we can just say that. Whose fault is it that we're raising a generation of young people that do not know the Lord? You know whose fault it is? It's my fault. And it's your fault. As Christian parents, it's your fault that your children do not know the Lord. It's your fault that they do not know the Scriptures. It's your fault, it's our fault that they do not know God. You see, this may hurt a little bit, but I want you to get this. We've taught our kids well to study hard for academic knowledge. We'll ground them. We'll take their cell phones away from them if they come home with a C or a D. We'll cut out sports activities if they start failing academically. And rightly so. But I wonder, when's the last time you grounded your child from their cell phone or from a sporting event event because they didn't read God's Word that day? You say, well, that's all a little bit legalistic. Maybe it is. But why is it that we put the emphasis on the academic knowledge and let the spiritual well-being of our children go completely ignored? I'm asking a question. I don't have all the answers. I'm asking a question. You see, and this really is probably more of a sermon that you would preach on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. But being that we don't have a Sunday night service and being I only got one shot at you a week on Sunday morning, I've got to stand here on Sunday morning and preach this kind of a message. I know you'd a lot rather me preach about heaven and something easy and something celebratory and something exciting, but this is a little bit sobering today. Judges 2.10 has been weighing heavy on my heart. I don't want to raise a generation of young people through Victory Church that do not know the Lord. But why is it that we're more concerned about their academic knowledge? Why is it that we make all kind of room in our schedule for their secular activities, but there's no room for them to go to church camps? There's no room for them to go to Sunday school. There's no room for them to go to youth group activities. I'm just asking questions, okay? 
Why is it that we make sure that our kids are never late for school? Why is it that we make sure that they're never late for work if they're working a job in our homes? Why is it that we push them to get out of bed to go to school, but come Sunday morning we, we don't push them to come to Sunday school at 930? Once again, I'm just asking questions. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves like the children of Israel. And we will raise a generation of young people who do not know the Lord. And then they'll get into those late teen years and those early 20s and they'll be so far from God. And we'll say, what happened? What happened? Could it be? Could it be that we put more emphasis on the secular and not enough on the spiritual? Once again, I'm just asking questions. Well, I don't know about you. But I think it's time. It's time for Victory Church. It's time for me as your pastor. It's time for our leadership team to start expecting more out of the families that come to Victory Church. You're going to find in the months and the months and hopefully years to come that you're going to be challenged more in your faith. You see, our slogan is casual atmosphere and serious faith. On the front doors of our office, I must share a confession with you. That slogan is on there. And several months back, I was walking in and God, it's, it's like God just shot me right in the heart with a, with a dart. And said, look at that slogan. I'm talking about the part, serious faith. Are we really challenging our people to take seriously their faith? That's kind of what God spoke to my heart. And you may feel a little bit of a turn with our church and our ministry and what's taking place, but I want you to know that's intentional. That's intentional. Why? Because I think it's time. I think it's time to start taking our faith seriously. I think it's time to start expecting families to put God back in His rightful place. I think it's time to start teaching our children the ways of the Lord. I think it's time that we get out of this casual Christianity and into this serious faith kind of Christianity. Hello? I'm not saying you can't dress casual. I don't care how you come to church. Okay? I don't care if you're in shorts and a, and a tank. I don't care. But I do care, care about how you live your faith. And it's time we take that seriously. Amen? Let me give you my last point here and I'm going to stop. Another reason why I think it's important these kids come to Sunday school and why these kids are here in church is because the next generation, if we fail to... To, to, to remember the Lord and to teach our kids, the next generation falls into sin and they eventually turn away from God. We see that in Judges chapter 3, verses 5. And by the way, let me say something about that. With our whole move and everything that we've done, we've had some decide not to come with us, which is okay. But a lot of those helped us set up on Sunday morning. And we're in dire need of some help. So if it's worth it, setting up, so that we can instill the Word of God into the next generation? Will you help us come set up? I know there's nothing fun about setting up chairs. I know there's nothing fun in that. I know there's nothing fun about strapping this big screen onto this skeleton of a frame and pulling that apart. I know there's nothing fun in that. But these are tools that we use so that we can teach our children and teach you the principles of God's Word. These are tools that we use so that we can build a D6 church, thus building D6 families, thus not losing the next generation. 
If you said it's worth it, let me ask you one more question. Do you think it's, if it's worth it, do you think it's worth you signing up to work in children's church? If you think it's worth it, do you think it's worth you making a commitment to sign up and help as a Sunday school teacher? If you think it's worth it, there's opportunities for you to serve. So I'm asking you today, and I know it's been kind of a sobering message. And I've kind of been here and there with this whole thing, looking at Judges chapter 2 and verse number 10. But I guess what I'm asking you today, is it worth it? And if it is, then we've got work to do. Are you with me or not? If it's worth it, we've got work to do. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and we have a, a time of invitation. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to your heart today. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to your heart today. I don't know about you, but this next generation, they're going to stand right here in the front. All these kids. Come on up to the front. Come on up here, kids. No, I want you right here. I don't know about you. But right here is a whole generation of young people. Of kids. That I want to know about my God. I want them to know the Word of God. I want them to know the biblical stories. You see, I remember when I was their age. I used to hate to put on these little dress shirts. And my little black shoes. And my mom would make me wear to church on Sunday morning. See, I ran around in tennis shoes all the time. And they were hardly ever tied. And... Sunday morning, my mom would get me up and thank God for a mom that will instill in her children the ways of God. She'd get me up and she'd say, you're going to Sunday school. And I remember I would fuss. I'd say, oh, mom, I don't want to go to Sunday school. Let's just go to preaching. No. You're going to Sunday school. Okay. And I'd come out of my room and I'd have my shorts on, a little t-shirt, a pair of tennis shoes. She said, no, you're not wearing that to Sunday school. She'd dress me up, like these kids. And she'd put my dress shoes on and, and I, there I'd go. And she'd drop me off, I remember, in Mr. and Mrs. Owen's Sunday school class. Mr. and Mrs. Owens is a, um, a Christian couple, and, they, and, and Tom and Sharon remind me so much of Mr. and Mrs. Owens. See, because I knew when I walked in that Sunday school class, they loved me. They'd hugged me. Mrs. Owens taught all the lessons. Mr. Owens, well, he was the disciplinarian. I was a little bit afraid of Mr. Owens, but I love Mrs. Owens. <laughs> Mr. Owens had to get me a couple of times. But you know what? I knew they loved me. 
And I knew they loved the Lord. And I thank God that I had a mom that got me up at this age, early on Sunday morning, sent me to Sunday school. She herself went on into the adult Sunday school class. Moms, dads, I'm glad you're here today. And I'm glad you brought your children to Sunday school. But maybe you just brought them to preaching this morning. Get them to Sunday school. You don't want these kids. And I don't want these kids to grow up and not know the Lord. So maybe mom and dad, you remember in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it tells you to love the Lord. But then how it's got to be in your heart. And as it's in your heart, then you're going to start sharing it with your children. We've got our deacons and their wives on the side and at the back. Maybe moms and dads, you need to get up and go to one of them and ask them to pray for you. Maybe you would like to come up here and get your child and go over to the prayer groups we have and just ask them to pray for you, to help you build a D6 family. To help you be the mom and the dad that can instill in your children the ways of the Lord. You know why? These guys are worth it. They're worth it. Aren't they? They're worth it. So I'm going to have a prayer of everybody right now. And then I'd like for you, if you feel like the Lord is moving you and you need to pray, get up out of your seat and go to one of these four, four couples. And they're here to pray with you today. Father, thank you so much for our church and our church family. And thank you that we do take our faith seriously. Thank you for these mothers that are making decisions right now. Thank you for these dads that are making decisions right now. They're going to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. They're going to instill in them what you've done in their hearts and in their lives. And they're going to be actively involved in Sunday school. Getting the tools that they need to be able to teach them your ways. Father, I pray that you bless our congregation. I pray that you bless our families. I ask you, God, to help them. In a world that's turned far from you, I pray you'd give them the courage and the strength to stand and build D6 families. We commit this invitation to you and ask you to have your will and way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With, it's not a counterfeit like those that came to try and lead Dave down a path.